0: This episode is brought to you by Flatiron School. Flatiron School is an outcomes focused coding boot camp offering the best in software engineering education online and in New York City. For more information, visit Flatiron500.com or check out the Giants of Crowns Partners page at www.giantsofcrowns.com forward slash partners. This episode is provided to you by Clara Labs. Clara Labs is making it easier for you to focus on the things that matter by providing a 24-7 virtual assistant to handle all of your scheduling needs. Here's how it works. All you have to do is cc Clara in your email thread, and Clara will take it from there. Clara is responsive, reliable, and simple to use. For more information, visit www.claralabs.com.
1: So my name is Emery Wells. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Frame.io, which is a video review and collaboration platform.
0: Awesome. Uh, How'd you you come uh, about getting this started? How did it all happen?
1: So I've been a filmmaker for most of my professional uh, life. I I moved to New York City to to do that, to become a filmmaker. And I owned a, my last company was a digital agency that Mm -hmm. made all kinds of television commercials. Uh, I used to uh, do the post-production on all the Saturday Night Live digital shorts and commercial parodies, did over a hundred of those. Um, we would do Super Bowl commercials, mostly, you know, short form advertising stuff. And we were having challenges collaborating on the videos that we were creating. Mm. So collaborating with clients and vendors and just each other. Uh, and that was, you know, kind of the origin of of Frame.io. It started off as an internal tool, something that we you know, we wanted to build for ourselves to solve our own problem. And then, you know, we realized it was, a much bigger opportunity and decided to branch it off as its own company and focus on it full time.
0: Got it. So how does it, uh, does it plug into existing uh, video editing solutions or is it a standalone product?
1: Uh, so it's both. Um, I think the best way to think of us is kind of like envision for video. So okay. if you're that makes sense. with those
0: guys, yeah.
1: Um, people aren't doing the, the uh, people don't use Frame.io to, um, you know, create video. They're still using the desktop creative tools, just mm-hmm. like designers still use Sketch or Photoshop or whatever. Mm-hmm. But Frame.io is the place where all that stuff you're working on, uh, you know, lives and all the people that need to watch it, have access to it, uh, comment, um, approve. You know, we manage versions, things like that. So so that's what Frame.io is. But then we also do integrate with the, those desktop creative tools to make it a really seamless Experience. So, if you're editing in Adobe Premiere, or you're doing motion graphics in After Effects, or you're editing in Final Cut Pro, we have uh, either integrations or or desktop companion apps that make it super um, simple to get content, you know, from those applications into Frame.io, and then also the you know the commenting and things like that that flow back into the host applications.
0: So, w- those those different elements you just spoke to around uh, around the park, like uh, commenting, for example. <clears throat> At what point, like when, when did these all start to get rolled out? Like what was the, what was the, the very first version of this? And then what did, what did it look like a year ago, a year after and so on and so forth? Like what, what features start to roll yeah. out? So we
1: started with the, with the web app. Um, the integrations are not something that you need to, you know, to really get value out of the product. I mean, mm-hmm. just the web application on its own uh, is super valuable and the uh, those integrations just make it even better. so we launched with with just the web app and we we launched with a pretty we launched with a pretty complete product. Um, you know we it had a slow start and it was it was an internal tool. so for a while we didn't really have you know i think it was a very fortunate kind of situation for starting out because. You know we weren't like running out of money right yeah. it wasn't like we're gonna quit our jobs and we need to get this thing out and we need to we need to be mvp right uh, it was it was just being housed within a within an organization and it was requiring very little resources of that organization so um, we spent about three years building it before we released it and we released something that was that was you know i would say well beyond a mvp mm. and uh it was just the web app. And then the first integration that we launched, I believe, was, you know, not too long after that, really. It was, uh, we launched uh, the, the Final Cut Pro desktop companion app, maybe five or six months after our initial launch. And then uh, the Adobe Premiere integration about a year afterwards. And then After Effects, maybe another six months. Uh, so, yeah, the integrations have been have
0: been. Coming. That's cool. So, when, at what point did you, uh, I guess, turn off the, You was it a video agency? Um, yeah. What point did you turn that off and ramp up frame.io?
1: Yeah, that was a really tough decision. I mean, it, this was my baby. You know, yeah. I, I built this great lifestyle business for myself. It was a small, it was a small agency, but, you know, how many people, uh, we
0: were, how many people was it? We, we would,
1: I think the most it was like five full-time employees but mm-hmm. then we would have you know freelancers in so there's usually like 10 you know 10 people in the office or so right and um it was a small it was a small company but as you know it was very successful i built this great lifestyle business for myself from nothing i mean started with like you know no dollars no you know i never had any outside investment right and really just built it you know from from the ground up and i uh, did that for eight years. So. To go from nothing to, you know, having, you know, the opportunity to to do all the posts on Saturday Saturday night live and, and things like that. Um, it was really, really tough to, to transition it, and it happened slowly. I never had the heart to say like, I'm shutting this down, but it also never was built to live without me. It was built around me. It was built around my personal brand. And, and it, you know, a lot of people are like, well, why don't you sell it? Or why don't you get somebody else to run it and getting somebody else to run it, you know, that would have required as much of my energy and attention as probably running it myself, um, you know, to, to get those those people in to sort of take it over. So it, in selling, it's not an option. I mean, you can't sell, you know, you can't sell that, especially when the clients were coming specifically to, to work with me. So um, it just was like a slow transition. As as Frame.io got more serious, I think, trying to think back. So, like, you know, we had, we had a pre-launch uh, a full year before we actually launched the product, so we built this landing page where you could sign up and get notified, and um, that that we had fifteen thousand people sign up. We thought we were a few months wow. away from launching, but it turns out we were a full year away from launching. But uh, that's kind of a different story. So we had fifteen thousand people sign up for the pre the pre launch, and it was around that time that I started like seriously thinking, like, okay, you know, how am I going to what am I, how, you know, when, when do I need to kind of shift all my attention over and and how am I going to, you know, shut down my other company? I, I had, we, my co-founder and I, we went and we met with, um, uh, this, this, this other well-known entrepreneur who was potentially maybe even interested in, in investing. And he asked, he asked me, you know, like what my involvement was or when, you know, when I was going to shut down the other company, you know, or if I was still involved and I said, well, yeah, you know, when we get like, when we get investment, then maybe we'll, then then I'll, then I'll shut it down. Right. And uh, <clears throat> he said to me in that meeting that, that nobody will ever invest in you if you give them that answer. So don't ever say that again. <laughs> I, don't I don't know if that's true or not, you know, but I, I think the sentiment that he was, sharing is that people want to know that you're all in yeah you know you're not no one's gonna give you money if you're not a hundred percent 150 invested and um so i realized you know i realized then that i really needed to to shift over and so it took like a, a about a year that that from from that time to uh actually launching which was about a year i i just i just took less and less work and eventually people stopped calling because i would say i was i was booked Got and it. then I kind of just, you know, killed it
0: slowly. Got it. So when you, when you transitioned over, um, the, the team that you started with Mm -hmm. for the agency, you said it was about five people or so Mm -hmm. when you transitioned that over, did they all come with you or did you start to now recruit a new team, take on some financing? Like what was the, what was the beginning of frame.io in that sense? The official launch?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We brought, so only, um, so my co-founder was an employee of mine. From awesome. from that previous company, so obviously he he stuck around. But then it was only one other one other employee from that company that mm-hmm. transitioned over with us, and um, then we just started recruiting a new team after after we raised our seed
0: round. Oh, cool! So uh, what is what does the team look like now, um, and what are like the core functions of the team?
1: We're twenty four people now. Congrats, and on. Thank you. Uh, for core functions: we have uh, and so obviously we have engineering. Uh, we have Back end, front end, and integrations. Uh, the back end is slightly further split. We have a kind of video transcoding architecture, and then just you know, core back end, like you know, API, things like that. Uh, so, so so video, core video engineering, back end engineering, front end engineering, and integrations. And then the the we have one product designer, we have one product manager. The other parts of the organization really aren't so fleshed out. Uh, we have no, we have no marketing, so I've right. kind of done that up until now. But we don't have any; uh, we have no one officially on the marketing team. Mm-hmm. We have one salesperson, so we don't have much of a sales team. And
0: you guys are selling straight to consumer. Or is it primarily to BDB or is it BDB and B2C?
1: So we are in the category of, of enterprise, um, you know, enterprise SaaS. But our distribution model is you know, a bottoms up distribution model that's accessible to individuals and small teams. Okay. So, If you're an event videographer or, uh, you know, working on, on smaller scale stuff, we have plans that are self-serve and accessible, accessible to, to, to them. Mm-hmm. But then, uh, you know, we use, we use those, we use those people to kind of spread the word virally and organically. Right. And, uh, you know, even a lot of just like individuals or small teams within a larger organization sign up that way. And then and then we kind of spread within an organization
0: got it so the the, the need to have a, you know a, a more fleshed out sales team doesn't seem like it's really necessary especially given that you're starting from the bottom you landed and expand within the organization
1: so we, we do need a sales team and we're okay. we're uh, currently you know trying to build out the sales and marketing side of the organization. I mean we've done very well without yeah. having sales or marketing but you know we're ready to we're ready to build the build that that stuff out
0: got it got it so so the
1: so the sales side is going to focus on and focus on you know more of the enterprise deals so it's going to be still predominantly inbound and people are going to sign up Mm -hmm. and then you know the sales team is going to be you know farming those those customers and and doing larger deals larger deals within the organizations that have already signed up
0: got it so why would you um I'm ask it that way. What, what, what sort of led to the organization growing in the way that it, ha- excuse me, growing in the way that it has, where it seems like there's a lot more uh, it's, it's, it's uh, built out on the, on the building side, on the engineering mm-hmm. side, the front end yep. side, the core video pieces, and then yep. lighter on the sales side. Like what is sort yep. of, what are the, what are the catalysts to that that type of growth and development of the org?
1: So I think it's that one we've, you know, <clears throat> We've had a lot. Of, we've had a lot of success without having sales and marketing. Right. Uh, we, you know, we had a product that we had product market fit right out of the gate. Really strong traction right out of the gate. You know, we were performing, you know, top of our game in terms of revenue for all, every stage that we that we've been at. So uh, we had a product that was kind of selling itself, and we didn't need to to really invest in. Uh, I, I think that looking back, you know, I'm I'm now that we're building out the sales and marketing side, I I feel a little bit behind. I wish we would have invested in doing this sooner yeah. because even though the engine was kind of just doing it, you know, just doing it on its own.
0: Yeah. you
1: know, I think investing even sooner could have, we were, we were ready earlier. We just, we just didn't. And, um, and I think it's predominantly just because it, we were, we were growing without it. Right. Um, and then the, the product is, it's a, it's a pretty complex product. I think that, I don't know. I think, you know, I think people might look at the product and think it looks relatively simple. Obviously I have an inside perspective of the kind of challenges and complexity of it, but um, it's a, it's a pretty complex product and we're, we're on five clients now. So we've shipped a lot. We have the web application. Mm -hmm. We have a a, a native iPhone app. Uh, We have a desktop companion app. We have, uh, then we have two full fledged clients that live inside other host applications. So Adobe Premiere and Adobe after effects. Mm. So we have, we have five clients that we, that we've, uh, Launched and then have to continue to maintain. Our customers kind of expect a lot. They're in a lot of, they're on a lot of platforms. They expect us to be on all those platforms. Right. So it's from a product side, it's it's a pretty challenging, it's a pretty challenging uh, product, and, and we've needed, we've needed to scale on the engineering side. To, I, I mean, I think it's also, uh, so me as a founder, I'm I, my skill set, my my primary skill set as a founder is on the product side, mm. and we're a product first, product focused company uh, my you know my uh, the way I, the way I think I mean I only know how to build a business one way which is by building the best product in the world mm-hmm. I think that everything w- works itself out downstream you can build a phenomenal business by having awesome sales and marketing and a shitty product it's just not the company I want to build I'm never going to be part of that company and I want to I want to ha- I want to have success by building the best product in the world with no compromises and I mean, that's kind of we've we've sort of focused on building the organization that
0: way. That's good. So, so in, the, in the, the in the spirit of the, the complexity, complexity of the, of the product, product. Mm-hmm. how do you get, do you the, get the teams, teams uh, all aligned? Cause you have you these have different environments you're building this product around. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's, there are, each of those environments have their own set of constraints. Um, so what does that look like amongst the teams? How do you, how do you guys all get stay in sync?
1: So the, uh, the, the integrations and mobile team are separate teams and then the, uh, you know, the, the core web team really just manages the the web client. So, um, you know, they're all consuming the same, they're all consuming the same API and um, they're all, we're, we're, we're really trying to be, we're, we want every client to have you know, feature parity with every other. So like a lot of people... You know, they ask. They, I often get asked, like, "What's the iPhone app for?" Like, who who's the iPhone app for? I'm like, "What do you mean? It's for people that use Frame.io." They're like, yeah, but what part of it? I'm like, 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 who the hell is? What's what's the Facebook app for? It's for people that use Facebook. Like, I, I, it's, such <laughs> a, it's such an odd, it's such an odd question to me. I'm like, it does everything that the web app does. It's the way that every other mobile app on your phone works. So, um, we try to reach feature parity with uh, with all the clients, and so everyone's aligned on you know building the same features. They're just they're just you know, kind of presented differently in different clients. And then obviously each client has its own sort of unique parts of it, but.
0: Right. But there, there are core teams that are specific to each client. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because it, it is a different set of skills to develop on iOS okay. than it is to develop on. Yeah, uh, totally. So
1: it, we, we have a, a, a weird situation with uh, the integrations. So the integrations in terms of like the tech stack and the skills are, you know, it, it's, it's pretty broad. So for example, like Adobe premiere and Adobe, after effects, Ad- Adobe's creative cloud apps, they have an, ex- uh, an extension model for third party developers okay. and their, their extension model is an embedded chromium browser inside of their host applications. And so a lot of the work is basically what like a front end web team would do, but there's a lot of kind of expertise you need around the host application and things like that. So like integration specifically, is a, is a tricky one. That's like, well, are they just part of the web team or are they like the separate integrations team? Um, I mean, so far it's been a pretty, a pretty distinct, um, you know, integrations team, but we're still figuring it out. We're yeah. still figuring it out how, how they're going to, you know, how we're going to continue to scale.
0: And I imagine that, I mean, the, the whole challenge of scaling is, it's an ongoing thing. It's one of those things where, especially cause it's unique to your business and the environment that your business is operating in. Yeah, uh, you know when if uh, if uh, was it Google Google Pixel when that if and when that becomes another really big platform, I imagine you'll have to adjust as well to to start to develop on that platform as well. I guess yeah. that'd be Android. Excuse me.
1: Yeah, yeah, it'd be Android. Yeah, we're we're thinking about Android, and and that would fall to the to the mobile team.
0: Right. Um, but awesome. So uh, when it comes to I guess marketing and uh, overall strategy, like positioning Frame.io in the market. What, yeah. is, what is, how do you guys think about that? Like first who, without naming their names, I guess, What? how competitive is the, is the landscape and where do you position yourself in it? Um, and what are your thoughts going down the line?
1: Yeah. So it's, it's a fairly competitive landscape. I, I would say that for the most part we are, you know, we, we didn't really have, we, we, there was no, there were no big, um, competitors. You know, we weren't entering a market that had a big defined market that some other, you know, company was already doing so there was a lot of small competitors and companies that have been around for several years and and actually and I I knew of them and that's why we started building Frame.io because we thought they were all pretty terrible Um, but I'd say you know I'm obviously biased in my perspective but it just seemed it seems like our space had significantly you know heated up since we launched and I think we brought a lot of visibility to the to the you know the need for the solution and we now have, we have, a, we have a handful of competitors that we, you know, that we watch closely. Two of our big competitors recently merged. And from an outsider's perspective, it, it, it kind of seems like that was a, uh, something they had to do to compete. I mean, I don't know. I, don't, I don't, it, It's sort of flattering in a way. It's like, did these two big competitors that were competing with themselves merge to, to take us on? And yeah. <laughs> it kind of, kind of seems that way. I, I don't know. They might have had other other motivations for doing so Hmm. and uh, we have so we we have we basically have like three companies that you know we compete with and I'd say that we're the new so we're the definitely the newest by far we're the we're the newest in the space and then we have the largest user base and the and the fastest momentum so a lot of these competitors have been around for seven or ten or more years and you know our user base is like you know 20x or something what their what their user base is but they've also focused on, you know, different segments of the market.
0: Different segments of the market. What are the segments of the market?
1: Um, we, we identify uh, a couple core segments. So we have our, our individuals and small teams. They're like teams less than five. Right. These are your, you know, um, your one man bands, your event videographers, you know, people that are doing you know, web content. And, you know, we estimate there are 20 to 25 million people in that bucket. And then we have what we call kind of our, our at work creatives or our mid market. You can kind of think of those, those, those individuals. That's kind of like a, the consumer market. They're not actually consumers cause they're creating video for some kind of professional means, but okay. the, the go to market strategy is more, it's, it's more like a consumer go to market than an, it's not an enterprise go to market. Um, then we have our at work creatives, which is like our mid market and they are people that are creating video in some kind of professional environment. So These are like small agencies, post-production companies. Um, you know uh, any, any company that's, that's really creating video in a real business environment. And then we have education. So education is a pretty big space for us. Uh, And then, uh, and then kind of the, at the top end of the pyramid, we have our, our, you know, enterprise customers, which includes like large broadcasters and people that are doing, you know, building substantial, huge businesses centered around video.
0: Hmm. So the, the, uh, I'm getting some, some, uh, some, what is it? What's it, what is it called? Reverb or?
1: Yeah. Oh, really? Mm. I have my headphones on.
0: I, I wasn't getting it before. I don't know. Maybe it's just, maybe Did it's it not, it's not happening now. That's cool. Okay. Um, what was my question? Uh, so the, you were describing bringing on or looking to expand the sales and marketing team uh, specifically yes. to go after, I guess, more enterprise clients. Yeah. Um, so in that's in that in that vein, you are now going against some more competitors, some more competitive landscape on that side. Yes. Yeah. Got it. And so is the thought that the momentum you've already created as a brand, um, better product, like these are the things that will wedge you against these other organizations?
1: I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really focusing on just building a superior product. We've we've already uh, you know, won a number of deals where we were against these these competitors. And that's actually, we've, we've won a lot of deals in in spite of not having a lot of the kind of typical enterprise features. So, you mm-hmm. know, there's a, there's a very, every enterprise company needs like security permissioning, identity access management. There's a layer of features that, you know, you need to support enterprise customers. And we were winning those deals even before having any of that stuff. So, uh, and that's just because the product was, was really compelling.
0: Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. So now that, uh, now that you guys are where you are, what is, uh, what is a day-to-day set of operations look like at frame.io? Like, uh, for me or for the company or for you, and then also for the company.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, we're now at 24. So, so definitely the, the this has been the biggest, once we hit 20 people, uh, it's been, it, that was the biggest inflection point for me. I mean, every stage was different from, you know, two to five to 10 to 15. Every stage is a little bit different right. and I know it'll continue to get different as we, as we scale, which we plan on doubling the team in the next 12 months. But, um, 20 for me, uh, seemed to, seems to have really changed my, my day to day. You know, I spend, spend a lot of times just meeting with everyone. Whereas I, I felt like I was contributing more directly up until recently. And I spend, I don't know, I spend a lot of my time, maybe 35 to 35 to 40% of my time on hiring. And, and then the rest, it's just, you know, meeting with my,
0: meeting with my team leads uh, on, uh, on what they're up to. Got it. And now the, the organization, what is the, I guess, what's the overall hum? What's the, what does the day look like? What does the week look like?
1: from like a schedule perspective or?
0: Sure. Like what, what is the, like, for example, um, there's another, another individual we were speaking to. They have these daily, daily standups and mm -hmm. daily ups amongst the, the heads of every single group of the, every single major team. Um, and then they have these weekly meetings as well, where Mm -hmm. pretty much everyone who's in the organization is getting together. Um, and then, so what is, what does that look like for you guys? What's your guys' operational cadence look like?
1: So we we try to stay pretty light on on meetings, and I certainly have noticed an increase of, of meetings uh, as as we've scaled. But we have an all hands on Monday morning, yeah. and that's when you know me and the other team leads kind of talk about all the all the everything that's going on and key objectives and uh, and things like that. And then we have uh, stand the engineering team does stand ups every day. One of the challenges we've had is just. <laughs> you know, it seems like we're too small for this, but people are already starting to not know what other people do. And like, guys, we're 20, we're in a small office for 24 people. Like that's not okay. (laughs) So we're working on, working on ways to, to, uh, you know, allow other teams to know what, what everyone is doing, but I don't think we have a great solution for that. We, we start, we use a Slack bot, which is like a, um, it's a chat bot in Slack for standups. Yeah. And we started adding other, not just the engineering team, but other, other, Parts of the team to that, so it's it's. I don't know if you're familiar with with. Uh, I'm sorry, it's called Geekbot.
0: Yeah, it's I figured that's what you meant. It. Yeah,
1: it's a chatbot <laughs> in Slack. So right. it just every day it just sends you a message that hey, what did you complete yesterday? What are you working on today? Is there anything blocking you? And then it publishes the results into a stand-up channel. So I think that's going to be good for giving, you know, everyone in the company visibility to what other other people that might not be on their team are doing. But that's, I mean, for in terms of like the set meetings, the engineering teams have, you know they do some, some other sub meetings. We have an engineering lead meeting every Friday. And, um, you know, we're starting to bring a lot more. We're on the engineering side. We're starting to bring more kind of process and get into, into a better sprint cadence and things like that. And then we have, uh, every Tuesday and Thursday we do, uh, we do a game night on Tuesday and a happy hour on Thursday at five o'clock.
0: <laughs> game night being what, like Mario Kart or something or I mean game night.
1: Um, I don't, you know, the games. I think us oh, so we have so we have ping pong. You got to have a ping pong table. That's, <laughs> that's like the <that's> re- <laughs> requirement.
0: Yeah, standard startup uh, attire.
1: Yeah, yeah. But but my co-founder is like a legit. He's a pretty legit table tennis guy. So um, we have a couple serious players here, and we don't have room for the ping pong table. So it, it folds up and we put it away because we don't yeah. have, we don't have space for it. But it's uh, yeah. I think uh, so. Table tennis, and then I think there's like chess and checkers. We have cards, but I don't see, no one really ever breaks out the cards. I think most people, yeah, most people just stand around and drink, and then some people
0: play table tennis. Okay. So I guess that that that, that segues nicely into uh, company culture. So uh, what? how would you describe the culture you've been creating? Uh, how much of it has been grandfathered in from uh, your previous agency, which was yeah. called, what was it called? Catabatic. Kata- Catabatic. Catabatic. Yeah. Um, so, what I always,
1: I always hated that name.
0: Oh, huh, really? You had it for like seven, eight years. <laughs> yeah, well done, yeah. Oh, why? I guess let's start with let's just focus on that for a moment. Why Why did you ha- ha- have a name that you hated and why didn't you change it? Especially I, given I never, that it's I, so centered on you.
1: The, well, I never really intended to. I, I, I didn't. I just kind of um, the way that company, I, I didn't have uh, a real agenda when I started that company. I just needed a way to accept money
0: <laughs> nah, uh, from. Okay.
1: from people um you know i was i created an llc so i could accept accept money as a as a business but I, I didn't really i wasn't exactly sure what i was what i was building i i had a i had a grand vision for creating a media empire um you know something that would be at the scale of like a universal studios mm-hmm. and so i wanted a name that felt really big and bold like if you think of the universal studios logo coming across the earth in the movie theater and it's yeah. just so sounds powerful mm-hmm. and to me catabatic sounds powerful it's big and powerful. It's um, it's a meteorological term, and it it's uh, it's wind that forms in unique high pressure systems in places like Antarctica, and um, it, it can be kind of a driving force for the weather system. That's like that's a very high level explanation of it. I'm not sure how accurate it really is, but that I, so I just kind of I just kind of like I needed a name, and uh, just it just happened, and I never changed it. But I didn't like
0: it the whole. Okay. The whole <laughs> so whole. so. So, company culture from yeah. that time to now, um, what is uh, it look no, like? I
1: no, I wouldn't say any of the company culture carried over. Okay, uh, it's a different company, right? Completely
0: different, different company. Different company
1: yeah, different company, different people, and I, you know, we have. a, I think we have a phenomenal culture, and I, I don't know that. You know, no one. We've never had any real conversations about culture. I mean, I certainly here are tons of people talking about the importance of it, but it's not something that I would say I ever consciously modeled. Mm-hmm. And w- which is why, I mean, I, am I'm, I'm really proud that it's, it, we do have a, a, a phenomenal company culture. And I, I think it really stems a lot from, I, I think it's really stems a lot from the founders. I mean, you know, if the founders are a dick, I think you're going to have a bad company culture. I, I'm not saying I'm the best person in the world, but I, I hope I'm not a dick. And um, you know I, I'm an introverted guy, so I don't necessarily come across as really caring of people, but I genuinely do want this to be a, a great place to work. And I've defaulted to I've defaulted to my, my management style has defaulted to transparency. Mm. You know I like to uh, be as transparent as possible with everybody. We share all of our, all of our financial analytics with the company, and everyone really feels like they have a voice. You know, we do a lot of one on ones to make sure that, you know, we're getting feedback from everybody on how we can make this a better place to work. And I, I mean, one of the things I, te- I tell everyone on the first their first at the end of their first week, we have a, a check in at the end of the first week. And I I always say, like, you know, I want this to be the best company that you've ever worked at, but I can't do that by myself. And it's you know, it's all of us, you included. We all have to take responsibility for making this an awesome place to work. And that means changing things when something sucks. So if something is not good, like take the initiative to change it. And that can be something big or it can be something small. It can be like different snacks in the office or a different sprint process. But we all have to be responsible for making this an awesome place to work. And, you know, I, I hope that that seems to have resonated with people. And um, the biggest thing that we've done that really changed the company culture Sorry, I have uh, my heat's coming on in the building. Let I me mean, okay. wait for this.
0: I thought that was a ping pong. I thought someone yeah. was literally playing ping pong right now. <laughs> no,
1: it's the radiators. That's no, cool. Go ahead. Just talk through it?
0: Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll be
1: okay. Okay. So the, the biggest thing that we've done that just really dramatically changed or improved the culture, I think we had something pretty good, but we did our first company offsite. And you know I've read about these offsites and the value of doing an offsite. Uh, we didn't really, you know, we didn't, we didn't put any, we didn't plan an offsite like, we're going to plan an offsite and we're going to, you know, do trust falls and we're going to build company culture. We just said, we're going to go upstate and do a snowboarding trip. We rented a cabin and, uh, we ever, we had 18, I think it was 18 people that went on the first, this first one was in December. Um, we had this big cabin upstate that fit, that slept everybody in the same house. And there was like a small staff that was making breakfast and dinner. And it was I mean, like everyone just had such a good time, and we didn't force we didn't force anything we didn't have any we didn't have any company agenda. We're like, hey, we're gonna just hang out as a team and go snowboarding and there was half of us were like beginners, the other half were were good, and you know the people that were good were helping the beginners and it just was like the the week the the Monday we came back from that trip, everything was different. People were like you know coming over to each other's desks and talking more and um, it it genuinely feels like everyone kind of likes each other Mm. here, which, uh, which is obviously what, what you want. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we haven't, we haven't really codified our culture in, in terms of, you know, like values and and all of that. I think it's something that's important that we'll probably, that we'll probably need to do sometime relatively soon, but you know, everyone here is great. Everyone's here. We've had our bad apples and we've, we've, we've gotten rid of them, but everyone that's here is really aligned, really likes each other, responsible, hardworking, like, you know, excited to be here. And that's the other thing is that when we're in the interview process, I always do the unsell. So you got to do the sell, but then you got to do the unsell. What does that mean? Unsell. The unsell is making sure that people know what they're signing up for and that they genuinely want to be here so if you're hiring an engineer obviously you know you want to hire the best engineers and if you have an opportunity to hire the best engineer that engineer has a million other places that could work right if you're a good engineer you can go work anywhere and i tell that to people i'm like hey listen you're a good engineer you can work anywhere but you know we like if you make this choice i want it to because i want it to be because you really want to be here and not someone not somewhere else if, if You know, you want to have a a nine to five and just, you know, clock in and clock out and, you know, do your work and then kind of go on with the rest of your life. And this isn't the place for you. But if you genuinely want to be here and want to be part of building this company with us, then, you know, then then we'd love to have you. Awesome. So I make sure that people are like, I mean, if you're joining a startup, like don't join a startup if you don't really want to be at that startup. Like if you just want to have a job, go go somewhere else. You know, there's a million places to get a to get a job. Um, so that's kind of the unsell, and I make sure they understand that what, you know, that, that being at a start, especially if they're coming from a bigger company, like, Hey, do you know what you're getting yourself into? This is a startup. You know, it's not, uh, it's going to be different level of investment. And right. I don't think we have crazy hours. We don't, we don't have crazy hours, but might be, you know, just, it might be when you go home instead of not having to think about work, maybe you have to do that a little bit more or when right. you stay a little bit later or whatever. So.
0: That's awesome. All right, man. So in these last couple of moments, let's, uh, let's hop over to uh, quick fire. You ready? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's typical format. Quick questions. We're going to ask like three to four questions. Quick answer. Quick why. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. So big year, Tupac. Uh,
1: Tupac. Just like him better.
0: <laughs> Just like him better. You're going to have okay. a lot of enemies because of that. I promise you. Um, what is your, your favorite book? Uh, or most notable book one of the two favorite or notable
1: you know ah, it's tough Um,
0: I think you know
1: it's weird because I'd say the most valuable business book that I've ever read was was probably lean startup I I mean that Mm. that was you know it's become a staple and uh, I don't know that we follow a lean startup I don't think we do but (laughs) it's I think it was one of the most impactful and one of the most impactful books that I've read. And then lean analytics, uh, that follow, uh, that followed lean startup.
0: Do you read any books that aren't business books?
1: I, I genuinely, I, no, I usually, no, I
0: don't. <laughs> uh, like how you kind of searching for an answer a little bit? No, but you, I bad. don't.
1: It's, it's all, it's all business books. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, favorite, uh, favorite movie. So Lord of the Rings
1: was the was the film series that inspired me to be a filmmaker. I think the first one came out when I was 18. Um, uh, the Fellowship of the Ring. And yeah, that that was that was my general. Yeah. Like, I, I know people in the film industry that, you know, there's like there's a couple movies. There's like there's a couple movies that seem to inspire like each generation um, to be a to be a filmmaker. And like Star Wars is definitely one of those. And for me, it was for me, it was Lord of the Rings.
0: Mm. That's awesome, man. All right, so if you weren't CEO of frame.io, what would you be doing?:
1: Well, I was CEO of a, of a digital agency that that made, uh, that made all kinds of, of, of videos. You know uh, Yeah,
0: so not that, right? Something else? Yeah, something else. Or let's say, let's, let's say you sold the company. $3 billion yeah. and yeah. Uh, you're good now. Like maybe yeah. you're good, but I mean, now you're really sure. good.
1: <laughs> yeah. I would never stop. I, if I had $3 billion, I would start, I would start the next thing. And, and the, I'd say if I had a lot of success and in uh in frame IO um, and had the opportunity to, to work in a new field, I think it would be, I think it would be uh, the, like the privatization of the space industry or, or energy or something that could have a really big global impact
0: got it got it that's awesome all right man so any any final words before we sign off
1: no no final words thanks for having <laughs> me. It
0: fun no anytime man thank you so much thanks